Arena Podcast. Everyone, John Burke here for Indie Arena Podcast. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by gruntstyle.com. Uh, go check them out. Also check out the Facebook page, John Burke Fitness Motivator, as well as Jennifer Bolcock, who we have here today. Jennifer, um, first and foremost, go ahead and give me your page and all your information. Hello, it's Jennifer Bolcock, Healthy Lifestyle Motivator and Mum of Three. I'm on Twitter, which is at jenball 13 and Instagram, and also Periscope. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so today we're, we're talking about um, childhood obesity. Jennifer had uh, reached out to me on the page a while back, and she had some very good articles written on childhood obesity that I try and push on the page from time to time so people can get a little bit more educated. But, you know, first and foremost, thanks for doing this with me, Jennifer. It's great to have you no here. No problem. And, uh, it's great. Thanks for having me on. So first and foremost, what would you say is the, you know, the biggest cause of childhood obesity? Let's get right, like right down to it. Oh, there's no doubt. It's the globalized marketing of unhealthy food and drink. That's absolutely the root cause. Okay, so it's kind of, would you say it's like perpetuated by advertisements in today's social media and everywhere you go, like in regards to driving down the road? And... Absolutely, completely. And, and it's this targeted marketing as well of particularly foods aimed at children that are nutritionally very poor and, and, and use sort of taglines that they are nutritious. And um, so parents buy into it thinking that they're actually buying something healthy when deep down it's, it's junk. Right. Can, well, without giving names, because I don't want us to get sued here, but <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> I don't know how the people are out there in regards to actually dropping a name. But I know Coca-Cola just – there was a big thing on them. Uh, they just <sighs> – yeah. uh, the article published on them trying to pay scientists to basically twist words and, and show that Coca-Cola, the product, is not the reason for obesity. It's the lack of uh, – I think they said it was more exercise, lack of exercise than diet-related. Did you read that? Yeah. Nah. I mean, basically, if you have a load of money and you want to employ a load of scientists that you're going to pay a load of money to, you can twist the scientific evidence to make it say whatever you want it to say to back up your marketing as a company mm -hmm. because they have vast, vast budgets that they can use to manipulate studies and evidence to, to say what they want it to say. I mean, that's the thing with science. If you want to do a study to prove something, you can... You can use the statistics in your favour to, to show certain evidence that you want to display. So really you need to look back at the, the evidence and the studies that are being used because sometimes the studies aren't even worth the paper that they're written on. So with that being said then, you know, we have all these, um, you know, these constant uh, geez, uh, studies done on like, uh, I, I like milk for example. It used to be like, you know, milk, they said milk was good for you, milk was bad for you, milk is high in calcium. Milk is also dairy, dairy down the line. Just it, different studies are perpetuating different things as they go. It's like opin opinions consistently change. How do we know? And I understand that you know medicine is continually practiced. We're continually learning new things through the fields of science. But it's like, what the hell do we believe anymore? I think a lot of people try to overcomplicate things and looking for answers that are not necessarily needed. I mean, we, we all know that the root, well, the cause of people getting overweight is by... In, in taking too many calories than what they actually burn. Mm -hmm. So that same, seems like a simple, logical thing. But then, obviously, when you look slightly more deeper into diet and nourishment, there's a lot more going on. But, the, the you know, looking at things like, you know, whether we should be drinking milk or not is, 
you know, it's a sideline. It's it's irrelevant really because mm-hmm. even though you could get start going into the you know the pasteurisation process and the, the flora of it and the uh, antibiotics that are given to the cows, these are tiny minuscule uh, areas that that have such a tiny minute effect on the overall diet mm-hmm. that really we're we're getting uh, blinded by extra information that's not needed. You need to concentrate on the basis of choosing a diet that is wholesome in real natural foods and avoiding this processed junk that is being advertised for us to shove down our throats basically right um yeah i i get i get asked all the time it's like can uh you know what what's your diet consist of what are you eating this that and the other but people fail to understand like it goes beyond that you know like you said basic macronutrients as far as calories in versus calories uh burned and I think people just definitely don't understand that. But going back to the original point of childhood obesity and targeted uh, mm-hmm. audiences or for uh, advertising, um, you know, I actually – there was one thing, that article that came out about like uh, chicken nuggets and what they were really made of. And yeah. so I didn't want to buy into that first hype because, you know, you see like the, the pink sludge that they said chicken nuggets are made from. So I did a little bit of digging and, you know, they actually said to use real chickens. And they, mm-hmm. they did another interview where they walked into a certain fast food uh, chain company's processing plant and it showed them actually cutting the chicken up and basically just shredding it and putting it together and baking it and so they said you know it's still real chicken i was like well you know mm-hmm. that's good and all but what is it being made with i mean it's kind of mm-hmm. like you know drinking a slim fast shake and then eating pork ribs i mean kinda, yeah. you know and also it's teaching kids that you that food is something that's been through a process you know what's the harm in giving them an actual piece of chicken you know chicken breast that you've cooked together in the kitchen and had a you know an event of getting the kids involved with creating something lovely in the kitchen rather than something that you take out of a packet shove in the oven and it's ready in 15 minutes and they you know monotonously shove it down the throat without actually having any connection to what the food really is Right, and that, you know, it definitely builds bad habits at a very young age because I was a part of what they call the latchkey kid generation to where mm. my mom had to work uh, two jobs. Uh, we didn't have a father, yeah. so we would come home and basically just go inside, lock the door, and wait for mom to get home from work. And dang it, I got my Facebook open. I keep bleeping there. So excuse this, people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so unprofessional today. I've been, I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But anyway. Uh, you're a popular the, guy. Well, <laughs> But the thing was, it was kind of like, you know, mom would come home, she's tired, she doesn't feel like making a full course meal uh, to feed two children, so we were raised on, you know, instant mashed potatoes, which to this day, I love, and I can't help Mm. it, because that's just what I was raised on, and especially being from the South, it's like, you know, everything is more fresh, it's it's actual, real product instead of fake, so when I'm around people and they say, well, you're from Texas, you don't like real stuff, it astounds them, but that's why. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, this is the biggest problem. It's, you know, when you look at areas where there's um, social deprivation and, and, you know, like you said, a situation where uh, parents haven't got, physically haven't got the time to be, you know, putting that time into the kitchen to preparing food, Mm -hmm. then this is an area where is it then someone's fault that they're in that situation or as we as a society are we the ones that are at fault and then we need to look deeper into the root cause you know governments and you know where there's regulation involved you know there needs to be some sort of take back of um you know organizations that have some sort of responsibility here to say what can we do what steps can we put in place to help these people rather than kind of leaving them to um raise their children in a in a difficult situation and then you've got children that all they know is chicken nuggets and 
instant mashed potato and they become adults and they don't they have no connection with with real food and i mean the early years that's that's a key time that, that mm-hmm. you're developing all your um associations with food and that sticks with you for the rest of your life yeah so if if you're brought up in that way potentially then you've got your whole lifetime to try and undo that damage so for someone who um then becomes overweight in, in adulthood then they've got a much harder job of trying to deal with their relationship with food and their weight issues than a child who's had a you know a relatively better upbringing in, with regards to food and has a better association and a better psychological association with food because they they don't have these other problems with their relationship with food, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. And you definitely, you know, I've, I've done a lot of thinking and, you know, I've done a lot of reading as well in regards to what these, uh, you know, a lot of the reasoning why um, children are overweight, much less adults. I, I don't really want to, you know, target just childhood obesity, but yeah. obesity in general, it almost seems like it boils down to more of a psychological addiction um, mm. to food in some cases. And then, like I said before, in that very mean video I did, I think a lot of it's <laughs> due to just sheer laziness because there does come yeah. a point in your life where you are accountable, where you are responsible, and you do know better because, you know, but on the flip side of that, though, where are we getting the education from? You know, exactly. in schools, how much exactly. are we pushing nutritional value? How much are we teaching our children? And, you know, on the flip side of that, though, how many kids are honestly going to care? You know, you're five yeah. or you're, you're, you know, you're 10. All you're thinking about is I want to go home and play Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's why it needs to be integral to life, and that's why it needs to be brought into uh, much more involvement in school education, where you have these kitchen gardens yeah. uh, growing in school. So even in areas where children might live in a tower block and they don't have access to an outdoor space, they've still got that in an educational setting. So um, it becomes part of the structured way of life of society. Because right. it, it's really down to the environment, and you know we can put extra... Um, fitness classes on for kids we can send out leaflets saying eat more veg but ultimately we can't control the environment if mm-hmm. we just then leave it to the parents to sort out because education is what's needed and education would change help change that environment mm-hmm. and you've got people who are parents now who are also from a generation that have been raised with very little understanding and were potentially victims themselves as children of poor understanding and and poor psychological associations with food. So they've now become parents and they're also the victims themselves because they've never had that upbringing. And so we've got this never-ending cycle Mm -hmm. and somewhere we've got to as a society stop it and say, you know, we are all to blame for allowing this to happen, for allowing the global capitalization of food corporations taking over everything and telling us what we should and shouldn't be eating just because it's good for their profits. But one thing that aggravates the hell out of me is when someone will come up and say, well, you know, what business is it of yours? You know, it's their freedom to eat what they want. And I say, well, you know, you are absolutely right. It is your freedom to eat whatever you want. But don't come pointing the finger at other people because you are overweight or you are unhealthy. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, let's not even get into the medical problems. You know, I'm not sure how it is over there in the U.K., but in regards to how America healthcare works or American healthcare, it's kind of like, you know, you go into, you know, the hospital for overweight obesity issues and, you know, it's just – it's doctors can have a field day with you. Insurance companies can have a field day mm-hmm. with you in regards to what they're going to charge you from something that could have been prevented had you just, you know, eaten correctly. Yeah, but, absolutely. And you could – I suppose you could liken it to, you know, like 
alcohol or tobacco. Yeah. You know, people know full well when they put a cigarette in their mouth that that's not going to be doing anything good for them. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes down to lifestyle choices. But you know, there's obviously strict regulations when it comes to tobacco and, and alcohol because we know that it isn't good for us, and we're certainly not going to be targeting, um, you know, selling those products to, to children. Right. And obviously, in in the UK, when it comes to tobacco, there's a, there's, well, you know, a, there's a ban on on marketing tobacco. You see, that, that so, brings up another wonderful point, though, in regards to you know these these um. These anti-smoking campaigns, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we have them in America, and it's it, it basically, you know, I've seen some videos to where it'll show somebody with essentially a hole in their throat using the, the voice regulator, or I'm not sure exactly what it's called, yeah. and, you know, they say, you know, this was from 20 years of smoking, 30 years, 40 years of smoking, and people, they buy into it. They say, wow, this is what smoking does, anti-smoking campaign. Even on the cigarette packs, they have warnings now that says can cause, you know, lung cancer, mouth cancer, this, that, and the other, but mm-hmm. the moment you try and run an anti um, obesity campaign, suddenly you're fat shaming and bullying, which is mm. so hypocritical in my mind because if you really boil it down to the meat and potatoes of it, you know, when you are putting that cheeseburger with all that preservative, all the preservatives in it, you're essentially kind of starving your body in a way. Mm. But I don't think people truly, fully understand. Just like, you know, there's been this campaign about uh, educating people about you know, the effects of tobacco, and that's been quite successful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been there's been evidence that shows that the campaign has had a knock-on effect on, on smokers. Mm-hmm. So, but there isn't this education out there about food. You know, when you've got food manufacturers who can package a frozen pizza and put a cartoon character on the front and then put a slogan on saying, nutritious food for kids. Yes. There is absolutely nothing nutritious about a frozen pizza. Yep. It may be slightly better than other frozen pizzas, but right. it's still junk food. Yep. And a parent will look at that, a parent who is uneducated, who is trying to make the best decision that they have with the information they have available to them, mm-hmm. they will look at that and think, well, it's nutritious, I'll buy that, and that'll be something healthy, and they'll enjoy eating it. Well, I think so, at some, some level, though, when someone buys a pizza, you can't sit there and try and justify in your mind by saying, yes, it says it's nutritious, therefore it's nutritious. There, and pizza is not nutritious. But I'm sure they'll try well, and boil it down and be like, well, it's got tomatoes what, in it. You and I think. <laughs> what you and I think but I honestly believe that parents do look at that and uh, I mean in the UK I don't know if you have them over there but there's the petty flu yogurts and on the adverts they say full of vitamin D and calcium and parents will you know babies are even weaned on them mm-hmm. and the amount of sugar in these pots is horrendous yeah and you can get more vitamin D and calcium from real whole foods yep. but you're not going to see an advert for broccoli or chicken or you know some something along those sort of lines of real food telling mm-hmm. you of all the nutritional benefits of it when they can mass produce some very cheaply created product and sell it at a profit so people are basing their nutritional understanding on what the advertisers are telling us and because there's no regulation of this because there's there's no step up from the governments to say look we need to stop this mm-hmm. then it's going to continue and parents i feel are ultimately victims because how do you know something is wrong unless someone tells you? Hmm. I agree. Um. You know, I mean, that, that's where you do. No, that's where you, I was about. I was taking a drink of water. You caught me off guard. Uh. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I agree because I mean, essentially, before I really pushed into the fitness, um, I hate saying fitness world or industry because I don't feel like I'm a part of the industry. I feel like fitness is everyone. It's like the fitness lifestyle, rather. Yeah. But until yeah. I actually you know, delved deeper into it and, and started doing my own studying, 
Then, you know, I became accountable and I said, okay, now it makes sense. Now I know better. But it requires that that little bit of uh, added umph on your part to actually mm-hmm. go out there and do your research. But that also, um, I want to caveat off that by saying to a degree, there almost is no excuse these days because the information you need is essentially all over the Internet. It's all over the place. Yeah, but you have to have a motivation and drive to want to know that. If that's True. something that interests you, which, you know, as, as someone who's equally passionate, it interests me, so I'm actively, constantly reading, trying to fulfill my brain with as much information as possible. But there are people who just don't have that drive because it isn't something that interests them. And yeah. that doesn't mean that that's wrong. We can't say, well, something that interests me should interest everyone. Oh, yeah. But we can't blame them for not being interested in it. But what we should be doing is looking back and, and saying, where have we gone wrong in history with these people of their education throughout their life, of them learning that nutrition is fundamental to life. And it shouldn't be about having a hobby of it being an interest that you learn about because you're interested in it. It should be a case of that we have to know this and it is part of our culture that we are raised to understand it as part of our culture and that's Mm -hmm. what we've lost that this this connection with food and nutrition and lifestyle is no longer part of our how we're raised within our culture it's something that's a hobby to people like you and me yeah um i mean like you said though like it it becomes part of our 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 society our upbringing because i mean you look at you look at school okay so we have biology we have chemistry algebra things like that and, you know, it's essential that you learn this before you graduate from high school. So, mm-hmm. you know, with that being said, why not, you know, include more, um, you know, education on nutrition, proper diet and exercise, Absolutely. which I think would bust a lot of these, these stupid myths and urban legends out there in regards to targeted fat loss or, you know, Absolutely. the magic wrap. It's like this stuff does not work. They're selling you snake oil. And, you know, people don't understand. And one of the biggest things that drove me um, – <clears throat> to make one video attacking supplement companies because I walked into a, a supplement store and I won't name names because I don't want to get sued. And, you know, there was this elderly lady and you could tell she didn't know what she was doing. And I, you know, I'm not faulting her. Everyone's, you know, a newcomer in some sense when they, when they first start out, but she walked in and she asked the guy behind the counter who, um, who, who, Basically, she asked him, you know, for targeted fat loss pills. She wanted to lose weight, and this is something I see a lot in, in the female demographic, mm-hmm. in her uh, abdominal and uh, quad area, her thigh area. And so the guy, you know, without missing a beat, busts out three bottles of three random pills saying, this will help you do this, this will help you do this, and, and basically feeding her a lie. And he got her for almost $150. And I'm sitting oh, there saying, you know, it's really none of my business. I shouldn't say anything, and I didn't. I still kind of feel bad for not saying something. But the guy lied to her. And yeah. she walked out of there, and I guarantee, you know, she might see, uh, you know, some, um, oh gosh, she might see like a little bit of fat loss if she's doing it right, but it's not going to be long term, and it's not going to yeah. be real. And then people like that get so demotivated, and they quit, and then they just fall off the wagon, yeah. and it's really no wonder why they don't want to go back into fitness. Absolutely, and it's like you said in your video, it's about making a lifestyle change. It's not it's not a quick fix. There's no. there's no such thing as quick fixes, and we should never rely on quick fixes. And that is, again, the industry is playing on, you know, they're using us, they're manipulating us, because there's this huge market of weight loss supplements and mm-hmm. quick fixes. And, again, we're, we're all for profit, so they, they advertise and play on that and you know, we're, we're all victims at the end of the day because the marketing that we're being um, subjected to day in, day out is, you know, on the one hand, you've got 
the fast food and the junk food saying you need to eat this to be healthy, mm-hmm. to, to be happy, and you know this gives you good times, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then on the flip side, so all these people are like, oh yeah, that's that's great. I'll eat that. I'll give that to my kids. We'll all be happy and live yep. the life like it's depicted in the advert. <laughs> and then on the flip side, and then on the flip side, you've got okay, now you've put on some weight. Here's your quick fix: drink this shake twice a day, and then have a normal meal. You'll be completely malnourished, but you'll lose about a stone in a week. Yeah, now, great. now you say malnourished, and that, that brings up the other thing I want to talk about. So you, you look at fast food, and you mm. know a lot of people don't see this, but like overweight people, obese people, you know, can be malnourished because if they're living off of junk food, I don't think mm-hmm. that people understand just how um, much it's lacking in the basic macronutrients such as protein, good carbs, and healthy fats. They have so much preservative stuff in there that, you know, like for me, when, when I train, you know, in my diet, it's basically whole foods. That's what I eat is, you know, chicken, fish, lean meat that I can, you know, and, I, and then I have good mm-hmm. complex carbs. And people say, you know, you must be full a lot. And I say, no, I'm actually constantly hungry because my body is actually breaking this stuff down, using mm-hmm. the nutrients. So I have to continuously feeding it good stuff that it's using as clean fuel. When I go out there and I eat a junk food meal, which I do on occasion to kind of shock the body. That food just sits there, and I am full for like all day just off of one meal, and I have not even come close to hitting my macronutrient count for that. Yeah. I just I mean, feel one, one junk food meal for someone who predominantly eats a, a correctly balanced, healthy diet is not going to cause any lasting damage, and so people shouldn't be afraid of yeah. you know having the occasional junk food meal, but what is occasional? Is yeah. it once a week occasional? Is it once a month? And we're getting to the point where people are having junk food every day, and then the treat at the weekend and it is a cumulative effect of too much in the diet that then they're lacking on essential nutrients micronutrients and vitamins and that are essential for correct body function Mm -hmm. i mean basically processed food is has a calorie value so it's going to give you energy but it has very poor nutritional value so essentially your body isn't going to get what it needs and there's there's a huge connection between how you feel in yourself Uh, i think in the article that that you shared um a few weeks uh, last week it was i spoke about neurotransmitters and not to get too complicated or anything but basically um that's that your neurotransmitters um communicate from your gut to your brain so if you um, aren't eating enough foods for your body to build these neurotransmitters, the, the nutrients, then it's going to have an effect on things like you, your mood, your sleep, your concentration, your attitude, stress levels and behaviours. So children, for example, that are eating a diet that's predominantly processed foods, there's no wonder that they then have behavioural problems because they are probably malnourished and lacking the nutrients needed for the, for the body to, to function properly. They're getting the calories they need potentially mm-hmm. because they're eating this junk food that has a high calorie value but they're not getting the nutrients that they need mm-hmm. and so you can even have children that don't even look like they're obese or have weight issues. They mm-hmm. could look relatively slim but they still are lacking in essential nutrients because they're living on this junk food and then burning the energy off because they've got a very active lifestyle being a kid. And then that's setting them up for problems later on in life because they've got this um, psychological connection between eating these foods in childhood and then they go on into adulthood and then as their metabolism slows down as they get older and older, mm-hmm. the weight piles on and it's a constant thing that you see, you know, people say, oh, I was fine when I was a kid, it's when I got into my teens, I started gaining a little bit of weight, then I hit my 20s and I gained more weight and it's all rooted in what you've been eating as a kid. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, when I was a kid, um, and I know this is very common in the world today, 
and I, I understand you know, I have two children of my own, and I know how you know excited kids are. They're very hard to keep still. And I think, uh, and I'll open up a can of worms with this. I think a lot of people, you know, diagnosing children at a young age for ADHD, when to me a lot of it is they're just kids. Yes, they have a very short attention span. I remember how I was when I was a kid. I had one too. Now I'm not, I'm not taking away from those that actually suffer from ADHD or, or have been diagnosed properly with it. But I think a lot of parents tend to just want to jump it that way so they can throw medication at it and say uh -huh. this is the justification of it, as opposed to it that per it's a child. Child, children, as you know, like we just talked about, your kiddos are mm -hmm. full of energy. They're full of life. And that's why it's good to have that active lifestyle. But the point was this. Sitting them down at a dinner table and telling them, you know, eat your food, and all they really want to do is go play games, go run around outside, which is wonderful. But most people, and I, I hate to do this, or I hate to say this, is you will not leave the table until your plate is clean. Mm -hmm. So what that promotes to me is, you know, regardless if that child is full or not, he or she is being, you know, um, not, I don't want to say brainwashed, but in a sense, like I'm still the way, this, this way, that I, I will eat all the food on my plate and then I'll be done. It doesn't matter how I feel, you know, and, and sometimes I have to catch myself doing it because I say, you know, I, I have to eat it all. I don't want to waste it. And that's, mm. to me, it's a horrible way to be because if you're full, you are full and stop. And you yeah. know, I think that that bleeds, uh, you know, a lot into why children are obese today as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a whole separate topic there that I could talk about. It's to do with parenting, and you know, it's I'm I'm a great believer in this type of parenting called Yes Parenting, which has um, been founded by a friend of mine there called B Marshall, and it's a basis that you try to find a way to say yes to everything to your child. It sounds a bit bizarre, but it yeah, it does. <laughs> way, but in a positive way. So. Um, like, for example, it's not a case of, right, you will sit at the table and you will eat your meal and you will eat your greens and you won't finish until you've done. You won't leave the table until you've done. It's a case of if the child is sitting there and they they don't want to be there, then find a way to 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 say yes to what they're wanting. So uh, one example was um, uh, I think there was a toddler that wanted to eat her food like the dog on the floor. And it was a case of, well, they're two years old. They're wanting to have a bit of fun. They're going to end up eating the food fine, put the ball on the floor, let them pretend to be a dog, let them eat the food. And it's about opening up exploration with food. So it's not a rigid, you will sit here with your knife and fork properly and eat at the dinner table like a grown-up, because they're not grown-ups. They're mm -hmm. kids and they want to have fun. Have, you know, let them mush their hands in it, let them experience its textures and sensations. Because part of um, having a good connection with food is not having a fear of food and obviously a lot of children are you know they look at something on their plate and they may genuinely be fearful of what it's going to taste like if it's something new so you need to be able to relax around you know saying you've got to eat that at least have one bite you know just them touching it might be a enough of a step for them for that meal and then you leave it and you don't push it because if you force things and push things it's just going to create a negative psychological barrier for them and that's it's really not what you want with food and, and also on the flip side a lot of parents worry that you know the kids aren't going to be getting enough if they're leaving if it's been wasteful but you know kids will eat when they're hungry and you, yeah. you really don't need to get too worried about you know if they're going to leave something because when they're hungry they'll come back and say do you know what yeah i didn't finish my tea but i'm i'm hungry now can i have something to eat and 
I wouldn't punish that behaviour. I wouldn't, because I know a lot of parents would say, well, no, you're not having anything. You didn't finish your tea. That's your fault. Well, I would I would be very open to say, fine, you know, that's absolutely fine. At that moment in time, you genuinely felt that you didn't want to eat anymore. Now you do feel hungry. That's fine. Let's talk about what we can eat. And, and so it's just being a bit more open rather than trying to have rigid structures to everything mm-hmm. that we've, as a society, seem to have built into our culture. So that... that it's more than just food. It's also parenting. And I think we've, we've gotten away from actually raising our children and parenting correctly. Yeah. I mean, I, I see it sometimes, you know, when you go to the supermarket and you see the, the kids in the trolley and they're screaming, they've had enough, and they're given sweets and things to keep them quiet. Now, I totally understand the reason why a parent would want to do that because they've got a stressful situation, they're probably sleep-deprived, yeah. and they just want a bit of peace to get the shopping done. Now you, uh, you, you, you're speaking from personal experience here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I've gone through the depths of hell with sleep-deprivation, <laughs> I can tell you. Dante's I Inferno, mean, the seven layers were just a, a walk in the park uh, for me. <laughs> I, honestly, when you think that six o'clock in the morning is a lay-in, you know you've had serious <laughs> sleep deprivation. I was at a 6 a.m. sleep, a laying in the morning. Um, you've got wonderful points, though, because, you know, actually sitting here and thinking about it, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's the same in your culture as opposed to American culture, you know, it is that, you know, we will sit down for dinner, we will have a family dinner, this is the time we will, especially being in the military, you know, our eating times are like, you know, morning chow, afternoon chow, and dinner chow. Those are the eating times. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely ingrained in our society that those are the times that you will eat. Now, you know, being at home, that's another thing. You know, I do agree that children should be allowed to eat whenever they want. But the problem is, you know, like you say, it, go, it does boil down to parents. But I know one family that I love to death whose children continually eat and they're overweight. And they promote this. They allow them to continue to eat. So, I mean, where is the, you know, where is the line drawn? It, it is a tough one. And obviously when they're, all, when they're overweight, that extra fat tissue that they have on their body has an effect on their hormones. Yeah. It can increase their hunger levels. It has an effect on uh, insulin. So, you know, that child, because that you can't reason with a child necessarily, they are genuinely feeling hungry. And that's where you really need to step up to the mark as a parent and, you know, think, right, we need to do something about this. Whether it's a case of increasing energy expenditure or looking back at food choices and what's available and what's on offer, that would be something that I'd be considering saying, well, they're obviously getting too much energy from somewhere. If it's that, that I mean, you can't necessarily overeat on broccoli, so they're not going to be putting weight on from eating too much broccoli what is it that they're eating that's causing this weight gain and then look at the diet you know are they having a lot of dried fruit for example that's quite energy dense it sounds healthy but it's quite energy dense what could we switch that for that is going to still look like the same amount of volume of food to them but is not going to have as much energy in and it's about just being a little bit smarter about your choices uh, with food choices as a parent and also that can apply to anyone not just to kids it can mm-hmm. apply to adults as well um you know just just try and be a little bit smarter so switch to lower lower calorie options and i know people start to worry oh low calorie that means that it's full of junk but sometimes you need to think logically if they are getting enough nutrients from wholesome foods and it's the snacking that's causing the excess energy then think of something that's going to be a better alternative instead of uh, the peanut butter on um toast or whatever it is that is the optimal snack over there um, um you know switch for something else what, what what generally do the kids over there snack on oh I hate to admit this, but, uh, you know, before I really took an interest in nutrition, it was chicken nuggets for my kids. Chicken nuggets, um, 
you know, chopped up hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. it's pretty They're delicious, I'll say that. Even. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they taste amazing, but, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so, so just trying to find alternatives to that, really, that are going to be, that are still going to make them feel satisfied that they're eating something because they have an urge to want to eat, but isn't going to give them the, the calorific value that's going to cause the excess energy intake. And and then look at the whole diet as a whole. I mean, another thing is, are they getting enough fibre in the diet, you know, fibre from fruit and vegetables, because that has a huge impact and, and improves, you know, so many health benefits of eating so much more fibre in the diet. So, and, and it makes you feel full up as well. The more fiber you eat, the yeah. less hungry you feel because it fills your belly up. And it aids in with digestion as well. And yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, um, let me go ahead. We're gonna have to go ahead and stop here. Um, uh, we'll have, no, we'll, we'll continue this in a, in a second episode. So um, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, and Jennifer, she'll be back for our next episode, which will continue talking about childhood obesity and venture down some other roads. So thank you all for tuning in, Jennifer. Thank you for being here, and we'll Thanks definitely do this again me. very soon. Thank you.